0: You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksintheBasement.com. So I walked around yesterday for... I don't know, a good 45 minutes muttering to myself. I'm not going to lie. I just I just looked online. I saw Aloy Jimenez out five to six months. Maybe he's back for the postseason. And it just felt like somebody punched me right in my gut. Yeah. I don't know how else to react to it except that. Like, I walked by my daughter, and she goes, what's wrong with you? And I go, Aloy Jimenez, stupidly, Jumped over a wall for a ball that was going to land 20 rows back in any stadium in, in in America, where he had no chance on it, and ripped his pectoral muscle or whatever he did, and he's out for five to six months. And she goes, "What?" Because she's very upset because she just traded for him in her dynasty fantasy baseball league, so she just lost the guy she was depending on
1: right, yeah, for the entire. So she's
0: that's... she's also upset. Then from the bathroom, my 13-year-old goes, "He did what?" <laughs> Yells through the bathroom door. It was chaos. And do you Lenuity know what house. it
1: takes to get a 13-year-old to yell anything from the bathroom?
0: He had been in there for a while. I interrupted something. And he just stopped. <laughs> he was like, he did what? Whatever he was focusing on in there became secondary when he heard that Mendez was out for the year.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's a wrap it up and, and get out here and figure out what's going on yeah, type of a moment. He,
0: goes, he had to come out like, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Hold on a second. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's what it felt like yesterday, and I know it felt like that for pretty much every White Sox fan that heard the news. I know my dad when I called him up. His reaction and my reaction was, that was a stupid play, he's a stupid player. I like him, I think he's got great personality and he's a monster at the plate and he seems like he's a great teammate, but he is an injury bugged player who makes stupid decisions that gets himself injured. And I blame Aloya Menes for this, and I want Aloya Menes to sit out for the next five to six months and feel shame and be upset in the pit of his stomach that he's missing this season because of his own stupidity. So he never ever does it again.
1: My problem with it was, like you said, he's he's a he's an idiot for doing it. Idiot. And like, I'm sorry you're hurt, but that was so dumb. I heard somebody
0: on the radio yesterday try to say. How can you fault a guy for trying? At least he's trying. Trying? Look, you're an outfielder. You know where the ball's going to land. You have a general idea. You you spend your entire life standing out there trying to figure out where the ball is going. You know when it's 20 feet or 40 feet over your head as it gets to the wall? What are you jumping for?
1: Well, that's why it's a stupid play, because if you look at the replay, it's not something where he was close, where it ticked off the edge of his glove or something like that. He jumped over, and he's hanging on the wall, watching it land well beyond his reach. And and I would have agreed, if he had done it on a dive, for example, he dives for a ball in the gap or something. Stuff happens. You know, and he and and comes up, yeah, stuff happens there. But this is, this is and, and I rage-typed the blog because... I have been saying, semi-jokingly but semi-seriously, since I started writing the blog, so now for almost four months I've been doing this, saying one of my biggest concerns about the White Sox is Eloy Jimenez and Walls and Nets and him running into things because he just can't help himself. And this is exactly what you didn't want to have happen. Not that he was trying on a play, but that he was doing something where it was incredibly unnecessary and he gets hurt. And now... Not only do the Sox have to figure out what to do for this season in left field, which I wrote about and, and everybody's got their opinions, and, and I think uh, when we talked to Jordan Lozowski here shortly, he's got an opinion. I think you have to think long-term now about what you expect Aloy Jimenez to be for this team because how could you ever put him back in left field after this? If, if you know he's going to make stupid decisions like that, how could you ever put him back in left? And then what do you do with Andrew Vaughn?
0: That's why he's got to learn, and he's got to learn from this, and that's why I want him to feel upset about it. I want him to be miserable as he gets better so he never, ever does this again because you, you don't have a spot for him. Everybody goes, oh, he's a DH now. Andrew Vaughn is not going to be a better left fielder than Aloy Jimenez. He's going to be worse. This guy doesn't play the outfield. This is like, and we're going to get into what the solutions are in the short term and the long term here in a moment. And like I said, Jordan Lazowski from Saxon on 35th joining us here on Socks in the Basement, which is all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Remember, if you have any foundational issues, if you think you might have some, you see a little seepage. There's a crack that wasn't there when the winter started. You see it now. There's something that doesn't seem right going on in and around your home. Check out Family Waterproofing Solutions, the phone number right there. They are highly rated, good people, and they cover northern Illinois and Northwest Indiana. FAMWS.com, tell them we sent you, you get money off.
1: Can they patch a pectoral tendon? I wish they could. Because that would that would be great. I'd trust them. It hurts
0: that Aloy is gone. We can't dwell on it because he's gone. This team has to move forward. Yeah. He's gone. He might show up at the end and he might be there for a playoff run. You still gotta get to the playoffs. You've got to actually make it there now without him. He doesn't exist anymore on your major league roster for this year. So now you have to find a solution. And and the only thing it took me about an hour or two. And I was it was it was going through my brain like I couldn't concentrate yesterday after it happened it upset me so much. And then all of a sudden it just kind of hit me. I was like You know this isn't the end. In 2005, a first ballot Hall of Famer in his prime by the name of Frank Thomas went down after 30 games and missed the rest of the year. And he was a better hitter than Aloya Menace. And the White Sox still found a way to win a World Series.
1: With Carl Everett as his replacement.
0: Right. It hurts that this happened. But now you find out whether or not there's intelligence in the front office if your manager is worth his salt. Because you can't paint by numbers here, and you got to come up with a solution as to what you're going to do. Look, he was going to hit 40 home runs this year. I see all these projections like, oh, he's going to hit like 36. O-. He was going to get 40 plus easily. He was going to get 40 plus. He was going to have an OPS in the mid 900s. He was going to improve off of last year. He's going to hit over 290. I was convinced of all of this. Not only that, he's a gamer. In big situations, he gets the big hit. He's got all the intangibles. The only thing he's bad at is making decisions in the field, but otherwise, the guy's a beast. You don't replace that in your lineup.
1: Let's go on. It's over. No, there, there, there's no one. There's no one available that can step in and do what he does at the plate.
0: Right. So my thing is, I think that once Adam Engel comes back, the outfield should be Robert and Eaton and Engel every day. And, and the reason I make this argument is if you can't replace the runs in your order, Let's take away runs from the other team with a defense that a hitter is going to come up there and say, where do I put it in the outfield that they're not going to get it? Like, let's take runs away. Let's improve our defensive metrics in the outfield. Look, you're not going to get from uh, Adam Angle what you would have gotten from Aloy Jimenez offensively, but the guy is improving as a hitter. The the guy actually, I, I looked at his stats last year and I just expected like, oh, well, he always does well against left-handed pitching and his splits are bad against righties. Last year, he improved against righties to where he was actually better against righties than he was against lefties.
1: It's, he actually hit, he only hit three home runs last year, but two of them were against righties. He's not just a platoon guy. and And if you believe that Adam Engel is an everyday major league outfielder, and I think a lot of people around the league might agree with you on that. You're probably going to get a. You could get a similar batting average. You're just not going to get the power. But once his hamstring heals, you're going to get a better base runner. You're going to get a much faster guy. And like like you said, the runs factor in the runs that Aloy Jimenez gives the other team in the field. Remember, Christian Yelich had a home run against the the Sox last year. That was basically Aloy misplaying a fly ball to the track and then getting caught in the nets on the left field line. To the point where Yelich, who's not exactly the fastest guy in the world, made it all the way around the bases. It was an inside the park home run because Aloy got stuck in in netting. You know that's giving up runs as a fielder. You're never going to have that with Eaton, Engel, and Robert in the outfield.
0: You're not only going to erase the possibility of that happening, but you're actually going to take away base hits and RBIs and extra base hits, a
1: ton of doubles, and
0: big innings from teams that just need that ball to fall in. And it's not falling in with that defense. Uh, look, no, no, no. You have to play to your strengths. The moment Aloy Jimenez went down, Adam Engel being added to that outfield and making that outfield impenetrable, with Billy Hamilton also able to come in when necessary if you need to in the outfield. Because I think now he's obviously on the roster after well, this is, happened.
1: He's the fourth outfielder for sure now. Hamilton is. For this season. And that's fine. He's that's perfect for Billy Hamilton.
0: Right. That's what I want to see them do. We're going to talk with Jordan Lazowski here on Socks in the basement. We're going to talk about some of the some of the possibilities for what the Sox could do. Look, I get it. Andrew Vaughn is probably starting in left field. It's a little frightening. I think Jordan's afraid of it. We're going to talk to him about it. We're going to get back and We're going to talk about some other options and things that I see happening. I'm not afraid of it. Vaughn is a temporary fix that I think that when Angle comes back should be the DH again. And I think Zach Collins is going to get his opportunity now to go out there and hit baseballs. And I also think there's another player that we haven't really mentioned making the 26-man roster that I think is coming now with the team. That is next on Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SoxintheBasement.com. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. Whether it's physical activity or off-season stress, Creaky Bone's gonna help you out. Use that promo code basement 20% off your order right now at creakybone.com. Joining me on the phone line right now, good friend of the show from Sox on 35th. I love to call him one of the best analysts out there online because he is and he broke down everything you need to know after Aloy Jimenez screwed up his entire season and put the White Sox behind the 8 ball with a dumb play in the outfield. His name is Jordan Lazowski. How are you Jordan?
2: Uh, you know, at a, at the same time, we've all tried that in the outfield at some point, haven't we?
0: Uh, I don't know. It was 20 rows back. I mean, he, he's hurt himself so many <laughs> dumb ways before. Like, maybe don't do that. You know,
2: maybe don't. Oh, I agree. <laughs> the difference was I was in Little League and I wasn't getting paid millions of dollars to do it. <laughs> right, so, Exactly. I, I was know. playing on house money, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. So you wrote an article on Sox on 35th and it's perfect timing. It's funny. I asked you if you wanted to be on the show to talk about stuff this weekend before I heard about the Jimenez injury. Now you're like the perfect guy to have on because uh, Ed and I were eating up what you wrote. First off, I want to get to the the point that you made that you don't like Andrew Vaughn being moved out into the outfield.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. It, it, I don't think there's a necessarily better short-term solution. I, I don't want it to turn into something that becomes a long-term solution. The reason is, Andrew Vaughn's never played out there. And when you're putting a guy out in the outfield, which it's not as easy as a lot of people seem to think, reading fly balls and switching. Like, Andrew Vaughn is a first baseman. He's not a very versatile first baseman either. He's slower than Eloy Jimenez. And we're talking about Eloy Jimenez is a very bad outfielder. I don't know how we think putting Andrew Vaughn out there is going to be some sort of different story. All it's going to take is one bad read on a fly ball. You change direction, you roll an ankle. Now you're out for a couple of weeks. And for a lineup that's now missing Eli Jimenez, Andrew Vaughn goes from an important part of the lineup to a, to a crucial part of it. He's now by the end of April, early May, an expected middle of the order bat. That, that's not something I want to play games about, putting him out in left field now. Like you're saying, you, you got a little bit of time. you got to figure something out quickly. But, but you, you got to keep his bat in the lineup. And the, the good news is Zach Collins has had such a good spring. It's almost like you want to see if his bat translates into April and May and see what happens there. But I, I don't like the risk of putting someone who's now become incredibly important to your lineup in a position that he's never played before and thinking, oh, it'll be fine. It's just left field oh. Not exactly. If it were that easy, Eloy would be better at it, and we wouldn't even be in this situation.
0: Would you rather them put Collins out there? Like, let's assume Collins is a DH and Vaughn is the first baseman, but Vaughn may be more valuable to your team than Collins. Would you rather them just, like, maybe, like, I was surprised it was like Vaughn was like the automatic thing. I was like, well, you know, why put Vaughn out of position when Collins is just trying to find his way onto the team somehow? Give him a glove and send him out there.
2: I mean, at a certain point, you got to. Consider all hands on deck. I think it's a the similar situation though. It's a guy who's never played out there. I've Collins is probably even slower than Vaughn. So it's like <laughs> I, I mean left field, left field and guaranteed rate right fields should not be that hard to play, yet here we are today with this. Right, exactly. And I, I think either way, you're gonna have some sort of hole in left field, no matter what they decide to do here. Is Vaughn a short-term option? I I don't I would have any problem with that. I mean, I have problems, but if you tell me it's only for a couple weeks to test it out, fine, I I can deal with it. But I I just don't want this to be a long-term thing.
0: So now comes the idea of trying to figure out how to replace Aloy Jimenez. If you aren't looking at this quick fix, if you don't like it, if you don't think that for some reason, angle can be the guy out there for the majority of the season and you're going outside of the organization and you kind of have to go outside of the organization because after years of rebuilding, you don't have a lot of viable outfielders, which is a real indictment on the mm-hmm. team and their team building. So you made a list, and I like the guy at the top of your list. Tell me why Mitch Haniger one, is your best option in your mind that the White Sox can go out and attain? And then two, how attainable is he?
2: I love him. I think that the way that he can add power to a lineup is incredibly valuable. And at the same time, he's someone who he walks a good clip, too. So you're, if you're looking for the closest thing to replicating Eloy Jimenez's offensive output, Mitch Haniger is really the only guy who's going to come close in terms of what he can do. Um, when he's healthy, he might be just as good, if not better than Jimenez at times. That's, that's how highly I think of Mitch Hanager. Now health is a big aspect has not been on the field for a while. The other reason why he makes sense, the Mariners are in the midst of a rebuild and he's got two years left on his deal, including this year. So, is he a long-term piece out there when they've got clinic going to be the guy out there in right field and Hanager is probably looking more at a DH role. It's the, the Mariners are in a place where they still probably want to get value for players that are on their team that have value. Now, does, does it necessarily align? I, I don't know. I don't think Hanager has the most value he'll ever create this season yet because he's coming off of injuries. He hasn't seen the field since 2019. I think the Mariners are going to wait until June or July he builds some of his value, but at the same time, maybe that's a good thing for the White Sox. Maybe if they can say, hey, let's wait until possibly May and try and get this done, maybe there's some minor leaguers who have sort of at, at least started to build some sort of value again, because like you're saying, it's a great point. Any team who faces an issue like this usually has some sort of minor league guy that can come up and fill the role, and even if they're not ready, it, it, it doesn't feel like it's a worst-case scenario. The, the White Sox like Blake Rutherford right now. That's not what you're looking for. That's, I think Handiger, in terms of offensive output, in terms of his contract, and in, in terms of what he can do and replicating U.A. Jimenez, that's probably the closest thing you can get.
0: Let me ask you about a guy. I don't know if you mentioned him in the article. If you did, and I missed it, I'm sorry. But let's talk about this Yoki Cespedes, the youngster mm-hmm. who we went out and signed internationally. And some people are asking the question like, well, why can't we just bring this guy up and start him now? You know, why 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 does he have to go through the minors? Why why not just like, you know, have him fire tested? Can you explain why that would be a bad idea, or do you think that's a good idea?
2: I mean, whenever a player has not played stateside, it, it it's a bigger adjustment than a lot of people think. Not everyone can be Jose Abreu, come over and immediately max. This is a young kid, twenty-two, twenty-three years old. He's not as established as the Bray either or when he came over, he wasn't as established. So anytime you don't get that sort of minor league seasoning, I mean, they've even said, Rickon, especially has said, you know, he's not exactly the most polished player yet. He's got some work to do. And if you can find someone to bridge that gap, kind of like what, what Eaton is meant to do is bridge that gap to Cespedes or Colas. And if you can find someone in that same ilk to hold that stop gap for Jimenez, you got to do it. But, in terms of bringing up Cespedes, I, I think it's probably unlikely just because he's never played stateside.
0: So bottom line, Jordan, here, here's the question. You're in the GM seat, manager seat. You've got to decide what to do here. What's your best plan? If, if you had to make the choice right now, do you go outside the organization? Do you look internally? Do you do the thing where you're throwing a guy out of position like Vaughn out there because it's your best option and just waiting for Adam Engel to come back? Like, what is the Jordan Lazowski plan?
2: Depends on how much money I've got and depends on how much I want to give up prospects. If I want the, what, who I think is the best solution in terms of what he can provide beyond just 2021, it's Mitch Handiger. Because with Adam Eaton leaving after this year, assumedly there's still a right field problem next year. If Handiger comes over, he plays left field this year, plays right field next year, and now he's a free agent and either Cespedes or Colas, one of them is ready. Now you've successfully kind of filled that gap in between what, where we are today and where we are going to be in the future, but he's going to cost the most. And I'm not sure if the cost of the Mariners and the cost of Sox are willing to give up is going to align here. I, I, I have a feeling it's not going to. So my next best option is find someone who's going to be probably a lot cheaper and probably going to provide good production. I think that's Corey Dickerson out in Miami, left-handed bat. He's on the second of a two-year deal. And in a very young, up-and-coming Miami Marlins team, he's a guy who's really not going to have a place for long.
0: That's Jordan Lazowski. He writes for Diamond Digest and also... Socks on 35th.com where you can find his full article on all the different options that the white Sox have now that Aloy Jimenez is not going to be here for the entire season. I said it earlier in the show, Jordan, I'm hoping this brings you some hope. Remember in 2005, a first ballot hall of famer only played 30 games for the white Sox and then Frank Thomas was done for the rest of the season. They're not out of it yet, but this one stings. Oh,
2: they're absolutely not out of it. And I think, especially in baseball, You can survive one star going down with an injury. This isn't basketball. You need a a full team one through nine. Next man up, let's keep riding. Jordan Lazowski going to be joining us at Cork and Carry at the
0: Park, along with many others for our pregame and watch party. Game two of the season, that is the Saturday game on opening weekend, April 10th, Cork and Carry at the Park, 33rd and Princeton. The owner, Billy Guidey, told me just the other day, He's got a permit. They're using the sidewalks too. They got exterior seating and indoor seating. They are ready for you to come on in and have a good time. And with all the ballpark restrictions, you don't know how food is going to work inside. Fill up before you walk in the nachos, the fried Cajun pickles, the Southern fries, the award-winning burgers. They got the cork with the pork. That's the burger with the pulled pork. They got the Latino, one of Chicago Tribune's top 10 burgers of the year queso chorizo avocado and chipotle mayo on it wings salads wraps beers a big bar with pretty much anything you could think of 11 a.m we start the pregame game Game starts just after one we'll be watching it with you they are open pregame postgame during the game they're open right now learn more about cork and carry at the park at corkandcarryatthepark.com and on that day we're probably going to be talking about still who made this team
1: right so much for the roster crunch we went over last week, right? Not as crunchy.
0: Not, yeah, it's very, it got soggy. In Jose back.
1: Ruiz can still leave <laughs> if he wants, but you know, it's not as bad.
0: Oh, I think Ruiz is still leaving, but there's another guy that I want to bring on to the team, at least at the beginning of the year, and that's Yerman Mercedes. Yes. And let me explain why. You can't replace Aloy Jimenez, but until Adam Engel gets back, your designated hitter is Zach Collins, and against right-handed pitching... I'm good with it all day. Bring it to me against left-handed pitching.
1: His splits are not good. It's really bad career-wise. Right. Let's use this guy that
0: we really don't have a role for. Like, is Yerman ever going to be the backup catcher or a catcher for the White Sox legitimately? No. Is Yerman ever going to figure out the outfield? They tried that. doesn't seem like he was their first choice to throw out there after Jimenez got injured. So no, he's a, he's a hitter who kills triple a pitching. And if you put him in the right situation and he comes up and he, he plays DH in the bottom part of your order, and he is going up against left-handed pitching only, you can make something out of him and Collins until Angle gets back. When Angle gets back, Andrew Vaughn goes back to being the DH. Collins might get in once or twice a week, either as a backup catcher, or maybe they decide, you know what, for this matchup, we want to sit Adam Angle down, or we want to sit Eaton down, we want to put Vaughn out in the outfield for one day a week. I would be okay with that. And then you see Collins end up in the lineup a couple days a week. That's how I see them going forward because I think that makes the most amount of sense because I'm not ready to go out in the free agency and pick up somebody that wasn't good enough up until now. And I, I'm not interested in a trade.
1: Well, and I think you're right about not going out and getting a free agent. I, I hated that idea. And, in fact, I didn't even go into it in the blog because I. It, what are you going to do? Are you really going to give Jay Bruce who's going to get let go by the Yankees in all likelihood, are you going to give him a shot in left field and and that's your solution? The guy who has not been able to stick on a team for however many years because he hasn't been that good. No, that doesn't help uh, in any way, shape, or form, and you're not going to find 40-plus home runs on the scrap heap. But instead of going outside, I think what you're looking at is this year, it's Adam Engel's job, I think you're going to see Vaughn get a a very extended tryout in the outfield, and the reason being is is that there is going to be a decision that has to be made about whether or not you trust Aloy going forward to stop making stupid decisions. I I understand your point about letting him sit there and learn, but if Vaughn is at least passable out there, the way, say, Kyle Schwarber became passable after being a catcher, I think there's a thought process there that you live with Vaughn's shaky defense if he's not going to do something stupid and hurt himself.
0: I don't know. I don't like that idea. I don't like the idea of putting a guy out there who doesn't normally play the outfield. Yeah, left field is the easiest position. Like, if you're going to put a guy out in the field who's not a natural player. Like, if he's a hitter, people hide bad defense in left field all the time. Like, it's just something that is done in baseball.
1: But you still have to The White be- Sox were planning on winning a World Series with that this year, so yeah. You have to be capable when you're out there. I...
0: The problem is you have too many guys that really are slated to be a DH or a first baseman.
1: Right. And that's even Gavin Sheets. He saw the writing on the wall and wants to become an outfielder cuz he's he's just another first baseman DH in the in the system.
0: Let's talk about guys that are really just DHs on this team. Like Jimenez is probably really just a DH. Until Abreu gets out of the way, Vaughn is really just a DH. Uh, Zach Collins, who you took in the top 10 of his draft, is really just a DH, who you hope is going to get better defensively. I've heard some reports that he looked good, but he didn't look good enough for them to not go out and get Lucroy, and pull him off of the dusty shelf, dust him off with a minor league invitation, and I haven't heard any indication he's not making the team in the end. So you've got so many guys, they're just DHs. Jermaine Mercedes, the, the his ceiling... His ceiling is a guy Cheeks, coming off
1: the bench Michael Randolfo.
0: platooning as a DH. Exactly. There's so many guys that are – and this this now becomes an indictment of team building. Let's, let's not forget before we get out of here. This is an indictment on Han. This is an indictment on Jerry. You can sit there and say, well, Jerry didn't give him the money. Okay, fine. If you want to make the argument that Jerry should have given him the money and this is why you go out and you get George Springer because you would have been a lot better off here after Jimenez got injured – Instead of trying to just put somebody out in right field and Eaton on the cheap, now when you have the injury, you're like, well, we still got George Springer, and we still got Luis Robert, and Adam Engel will go out there and play in the outfield, and you feel so much more comfortable than you do now. But it, it's also something to be said for there is a lack of depth in terms of your roster building. You have an awful lot of outfield prospects that aren't ready yet and may never be ready. OK, right. you don't hear him saying, well, you know, Luis Gonzalez is good enough. We're just going to put him out there. Or Blake Rutherford's ready or Mike Rodolfo's ready to go. Or remember when we told you Gavin Sheets at the beginning of spring training was going to become an outfielder. He looks really good out there. Nope. You didn't hear any of that. Nope. We're taking Andrew Vaughn and putting him in the outfield. And and we don't have any other answers right now, but we'll figure it out as we go along. That's that's an indictment on team building for the White Sox. You have an Insane amount of outfield prospects that have been in your system for a long time. And really, the only outfield prospects that you have actually developed in the major leaguers was angle, and it took a while where he was actually probably in the majors and surviving because he was the best out of a group of bad ones who eventually right. got yeah, better. He, he was just the best of the right. worst. And then you go get Luis Robert as an international signing, and you make a trade to acquire Aloy Jimenez who was drafted
1: by another team and who is also really a DH.
0: Everything else down there is a giant mess. When you've got people clamoring for uh, the Cespedes kid that we just went and signed, who hasn't hit outside of Cuba, to come out there and start hitting right now? Like, sign him to a get con- Give him a major league contract. He hasn't even been in camp. Just give him a contract and stick him out there. That's an indictment on your team building, especially your outfield development for the White Sox. And you had years to get better at this.
1: Yeah, and that's why we're sitting here, we're talking about the fact that non-roster invitee and mid-spring training pickup Billy Hamilton is now making the team, and why the name Nick Williams has come up so damn often in conversation this this spring, because he's really the outfield depth that they brought in, because none of the prospects hit above 154 this year in spring.
0: There is more of a chance of Nick Williams being the fourth non-roster invitee to make this roster, because I already have three and Vaughn, of course, because he's a big prospect, but then also yeah. Lucroy and Billy Hamilton. Then you have the possibility they may decide, and we need Nick Williams too, because we don't have any other outfielders. That's bad, Rick. Like that, that's got to be the question that's asked constantly to him. What is the problem with your outfield pipeline? Why is it that you can't identify a guy who catches fly balls, throws them in, can make a few defensive plays, and can hit? To me... When you have three outfielders and you have this overabundance of players that play outfield, I mean, think about it. Guys who are drafted as prospects at shortstop sometimes end up as outfielders by the time they make it through. There's outfielders everywhere. Just find one that can hit a ball consistently. And the White Sox haven't been able to do it. Not enough to have anybody that's the next man up that they're like, well, you know, so-and-so, you saw him in camp, he's looking pretty good, and we're going to give him a chance. No, we're going to take a guy like Vaughn, who is super valuable now, because one, he's supposed to be the second coming of, uh, you know, uh, of Ted Williams. He's going to come up there and just hit everything, right? And now all of a sudden you're relying on this kid to learn a new position, stand out in left field, play every day, hit major league uh, pitching. Oh yeah. And you're supposed to fill the hole left over by a lawyer menace. That, the fact you have to do that is an indictment on your development in your minor league system. Bar none, 100%. Rick Hahn can get angry that I said it in my podcast, Go on the corporate podcast and yell about people that give him a hard time because we don't understand. Explain what I don't understand here. Look at the years you've had to develop this. You failed. The rebuild started in 2016. This is all you have in your outfield depth that's major league ready. That you have to pull Andrew Vaughn and stick him out in the outfield. You have failed when it comes to finding enough guys down in your minor league system that are viable replacements if an injury happens to one of your players at the major league level.
1: Socks in the basement.